Night House is a little old place where we can use reverse architecture and simple mazes to confuse and confound the dark spirits that seek to do us harm. Night House, baby. Night House, baby. Night House. That's right. It's America's most backward podcast. Is that the right? pod people. I'm not Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Ben Sheets, and I'm getting sick and tired of my backwards house. Makes me feel like a goddamn Australian. My toilet keeps flushing in the wrong direction. The wrong I can't way. deal with it. You just can't deal. That's a shame. Well, maybe I can help you deal. I'm Cleveland Mosier, but you can call me the M. Night House of a Thousand Corpse Bridesmaids. Wow. Wow. That is confusing. It confuses and confounds the demons. It does. <laughs> well, dear listeners, in case you haven't guessed at this point, the film we're talking about this evening is The Night House, uh, the brand new film uh, directed by David Bruckner and starring Rebecca Hall, Sarah Goldberg, Vondi Curtis Hall, and Evan John and Keat. Uh, That's now, not a name. You don't want to mix this one up with uh, uh, Dan Harmon's Monster House? No, this is not that. And it's not Animal House either. It is, uh, contrary to popular belief, unrelated to all of the other films in the House Cinematic Universe. It's true. Which, of course, was kicked off by Dr. House, M.D. Mm, yes. <laughs> this is like him, but at nighttime. It is? Yeah, right. it's it's house, but where everything is lupus, actually. Oh. See? Because um, it's the reverse of the daytime house. I remember that meme. Uh, yeah, fuck. From Let's go back to 2003, ago. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's not, actually. Instead, let's go to the right now in the timeline. Right now, and talk about the night house. With this current film. That just came out. This movie was good. I loved it. This was this was a, a fantastic example of going into a film with absolutely zero expectations and being rewarded for it. I couldn't even remember which trailer it was for this movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember seeing this trailer once. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what movie we were seeing. But we saw the trailer, and we were all like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. And then I proceeded to forget about it until last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, the soundtrack in the trailer, I remember, being really good, and the reason I wanted to see it, honestly. I had no idea it was directed by David Bruckner, even. No, uh, I was about to bring that up. David Bruckner, uh, who also did The Ritual, uh, the Netflix film adaptation of the uh, Adam Neville book. I hear great things. I uh, haven't watched it yet myself because I'm waiting to read it first, which is probably the next thing on my list. The book honestly. is fantastic. I just reread it recently. I'm rereading Apartment 16 right now. I'm, so good. I'm a big Adam Neville fan. Yeah. Um, and we we reviewed the we, we reviewed the ritual uh, pretty early on in the show in our first few months because uh, we were still in Milwaukee. Yeah. And if and, you're into Nighthouse, uh, Apartment 16 is a great book too because it has more impossible geometry mm. and horrified haunted spatial stuff. And honestly, like, I have problems with the ritual, and we talked about them at length on, on the podcast, and, you know, especially kind of how it deviates from the book in the second half. But it's a movie that I've, like, 
surprisingly gone back to several times since the initial watch because every now and then I'm like, man, I kind of want to rewatch The Ritual. And my problems with it are still the same, but at the same time, it's got so much good stuff that I keep going back to it. Um, and I, I didn't even realize that that Nighthouse was... Uh, was by David Brucker until I saw his name in the credits at the very end. <laughs> uh, and I I think that this is uh, honestly a, a step up from The Ritual. Um, yeah. I, I thought this, this film was, was quite good. Uh, not a perfect film, but it had a lot going for it, the key of which is originality. Yes. It feels like, I know your name kind of alluded to it, Cleve, but... It very much feels like a good M. Night movie. It does. A rare thing. Yeah. I, I a very came, rare I thing. I came out of it thinking, like, this is a that was a good M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a lot of, like, fun twists and turns. It did genuinely keep me guessing for the entire movie, and the payoff was satisfying and unexpected. And these are the qualities of the couple of good M. Night Shyamalan movies that yeah, exist. Yeah, and much like a good M. Night movie, I feel like it's good the whole way through, but becomes great because it nails the landing. Because it sticks the landing. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. I was sitting through this whole movie from, from very early on being like, man, I'm really enjoying this. How is it going to fuck up and let me down in the third act? And And it didn't. I was genuinely uh, surprised by that because I, I just kept thinking, like, this is going to fail to stick the landing. It's too good to be true. Um, and it didn't. Uh, the The film is about uh, Rebecca Hall's character, Beth, who uh, is a teacher whose husband has just mysteriously killed himself for no reason that she can discern and uh, in sort of her process of dealing with her her grief and her anger at him for, you know, for, for killing himself and, and leaving her behind, she starts to discover some rather sinister secrets about him as she kind of, like, unravels that mystery and, uh, and gets sucked into uh, the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, I'll say, too, I had no memory of the trailer. I couldn't tie it to the film when we went in. Um, I did watch it, but I think I had been drinking at the time or something. I, uh, it, 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 its memory was completely erased. Oh, I do remember, oh, it's the movie that has a scary banister shot in it. And uh, <laughs> that, was, that was all I remembered from the trailer. And I'm very glad I went in that way because I felt like the setup with her backstory and everything um, is much better just given directly. In the film, it's it's really gratifying. Um, so, and I, uh, there's no way to like talk about it without. And we think we've already started on it. But yeah, I I would, so forewarnings. I would go into this movie blind. I would too. Um, we've given you the basic sort of outline. Uh, if you're interested in this movie, I would definitely suggest uh, going to see it. It's and, very reliant and, on audio, so it's a great theater movie for that alone, mm-hmm. um, or at least to watch with surround sound and all the fixins because it. Yeah, it, it's it's very very audio reliant, and yeah. the unraveling of the mystery is really satisfying too. So mm. uh, I think going in uh, pretty blind is good. So uh, from here on out, you know, we'll be getting into spoilers pretty quickly. I think um, so. Be warned uh, if you want to see this one blind. Now's your chance. Yeah. Let's just start from the top. Sure. I loved how they tell you that. And again, spoilers from here on out. 
that they tell you her husband killed himself without doing it. This film gives you all the little nuggets you need before it actually gives you that exposition. Um, another great example is how they use the framing very carefully to introduce that the husband was an architect. In the opening, like few, sh- like the the first few scenes of the film, they're all really tight shots on our protagonist, and we can't really see like the larger aspects of the house. We only get one key. That the husband was an architect. Uh, when she wakes up off the floor, the first she wakes up after that night, and she's like was sleeping on the floor. She's sleeping next to flat files, and I clocked that and was like, oh, her husband's an architect or an artist or something. Like interesting, and that's all they show, which is. Pretty impressive because later on when the camera does pull back out, the whole house is like riddled with architectural like drawings. It's clearly an architect's home. Uh, and it, so it was a really it was really cool that they they were very careful with the framing like early on uh, to, to have that epiphany come and just let you focus on the main character and get to know her first before the husband is introduced. And we get to know the husband through her as opposed to just get to know both of them at the same time, which helps us like. Um, snuggle nicely into our protagonist's perspective. Um, I loved that, uh, and and she's great. Yeah, Rebecca Hall gives a really fantastic performance yeah. in this. So um, relatable, believable. Um, yeah, she's she's the emotional center of the movie, and she's really fucking good. I think she's also working with with a really well written script as well. I was really impressed with how natural all the dialogue feels. It feels like the way that people actually talk to each other and not like movie lines. Yes. And I mean, I know that's that's like a little thing, but it makes a lot of difference, especially when like the central conceit of this movie is like all the supernatural and horror stuff aside, it is a story about coming to terms with death. Mm-hmm. And that I think makes it the best kind of horror movie because it has a very relatable, very human story at its center that is enhanced by the elements of horror and the supernatural. But that core is there and it's really strong. So the added layers just feel like they're building on top, to to use architectural metaphors, they're building on a very solid foundation. Mm -hmm. So that, like, the the ultimate construction feels sturdy and well thought out. It's the best kind of detective narrative where yeah the the world like you said is like well fleshed out it's well worked up but they we start with a very small piece of it and as the narrative uh as the the aperture right the lens like expands and opens up we can see more of this see more of what's going on it's the old three three men and an elephant where all three men are blind each one is touching a different part of the elephant we only see understand like one small part of it we don't understand that's an elephant Right. Until yeah. like we get the whole perspective, we slowly, you know, like, uh, you know, expand our view of, of the story. And I thought that was really well done. And it's done both visually, as I explained earlier, and also narratively. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's a really clean story. Uh, and I love the detectiving. I think some of my favorite detective narratives are often ones where the protagonist isn't actually a detective. Yeah, you know, exactly. those, those tend to be the best uh, because they still hit all the beats. And this one, the beats all felt natural. The only one that felt a little bit, it felt kind of fairly stereotypical is when she's going through the books and she finds like the, uh, the bookstore on the back. But I still enjoyed it because it was, it was good sleuthing on her part. But it, it is a very um, detective-y, you know, noir sort of thing to do. 
And much like a good noir detective story, our protagonist, our sleuth, spends half of the film drunk out of their mind. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like that, yeah, she, she's a Bogart character if there ever was. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and that's that's what feels so so like authentic about the character too is that like she's not just like your typical mopey widow in one of these movies where like dealing with grief is just her being sad all the time she has so much resentment and anger as well that and like she's she's rude really rude to like the people who are trying to help her and stuff well i love because she's she's just she's anything but sensitive right she is not a sensitive person and she's often much, much less sensitive than the people around her. Yeah. And I love that. It always puts her in a position of power because the people around her are trying to tiptoe around, and she doesn't have any fucking time for that shit. If she wants to talk about her feelings, she's going to. Like when she's out with if, her when she's out with her colleagues after school, like drinking, and she like pulls her husband's suicide note out of God, yeah. her purse and like mm-hmm. all of her friends are so like deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's dick on the and table. Like, yeah, you know? it's like, like it's like, oh like we shouldn't we shouldn't do this. Like she doesn't wanna like we shouldn't be asking her questions like this. Like she doesn't want to talk about it. she's like, oh no, it's fine. He left a note. Let me read it for you. You know? And it's like Yeah, like like she, it's so good. And it's it's um it doesn't feel like necessarily cruel either because again like she needs to talk about it but also um it's great too because yeah it's just from that perspective like well you open this box like yeah. You, yeah it's like oh we're gonna we're gonna let it out all right here we fucking go let's fucking do it yeah then. yeah my favorite example of that and one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when one she's a teacher right and one of the mothers comes yes of a of a kid comes into her class asking about a grade and you know yeah and it's and it's like her son got a c you know like it's not even a failing grade because he didn't do his like end of the year presentation because he brought it in the last day of school and like she wasn't there because her husband shot himself you know of course she doesn't know the the mom doesn't know that at the time well see that's we don't know that at the time either Mm -hmm. what's so great about that scene is that's the reveal like we know that her we know that her husband is dead we can infer that because like the movie starts with her like coming back from the funeral and that he's grieving and taking the 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 casserole that one of her friends has given her and just throwing it straight in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, it was and, her know, mom. Oh, yeah, maybe it was her mom. Um, and we see her, you know, like laying in bed, sort of like wistfully, like caressing the empty space where he is. So it's like, okay, we can assume that her husband is dead, but it's in that scene where the mom is just like, she's, she's not even being a bitch either. That's the thing. Like she's being very smiley about it, but you know, it's, it's still very like, uh, you know, why, why did you, uh, you told my son he could make up this assignment and when he came to do it, you weren't here. Why weren't you here? And eventually she's just like, I was gone because my husband blew his brains out, out in the boat outside of our house. That's why I wasn't here when your son came in to try to make up the test. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like, and her, her self-awareness is so good. Like it's it's so good. It's 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 well written and it's it's very very well acted. Yeah, and I, I love it. You she's you like, believe oh, you, that you she want- is both grieving and also like she has no time to like cry and like openly weep about it to herself. She's just like, nope, I'm ta- I'm saying these things. Like I gotta you know fucking get this off my chest. And it's really powerful. I love how after she and drops real. kind of that bomb, the mother you know doesn't know how to respond. No, because how and, do you respond to that? And there's a really funny dialogue about 
uh, whether it should be an A or a B. Yeah. And it kind of emphasizes how inconsequential in comparison it really is. I just thought that was some great writing. It's so good. Well, because before she drops the bombshell about her husband killing himself, she's just like, you know, trying to placate this woman. She's like, you know what? Fine. I'm sorry. Like, we'll bump his his C up to a B. And the mom's like, well, that's not really what I wanted. You know, that's not what I came here looking for. And, you know, then she kind of drops the bomb about uh, her husband killing himself. And she then she's like, okay, so... Um, I guess we'll just bump it up to an A then. Is that all right? And the mom's just like, a B is fine. And B just, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, yeah, all right, it is. Another another touch that I really love about that scene is before the mom comes in, she's she's sitting there at, at the desk, like, scrolling through house listings, right? Because she's, she's looking for, uh, you know, she wants to move out of the house that her we find out later her husband built, like, for them. Um, and she sort of dozes off and she's woken up by the mom coming in. And when she snaps awake out of that, like what seemingly like momentary dozing off, she looks down at the computer and it's no longer house listings. She's browsing guns. Yeah. I thought that touch was, was great. And we see that she's been asleep for like 40 minutes. Like it, it looks like she just dozed off for a second. It's great too, because we know, we know like there are several reasons why she's browsing guns. Right. I mean, first and foremost, because obviously her husband shot himself. So she's she's looking at different types of guns to maybe better understand why. Like, why did he buy this one? Better understand that, Um, you know, as the as the viewer who doesn't know her character very well at that point. Like we could think like, oh, my God, is she like, you know, questioning, you know, like her life at this point? Well, see, I got the impression that she had she had done it like in her sleep because she she starts sleepwalking so like when she comes out of that and mm-hmm. sees like the guns on the page she's like startled by it she's like what the fuck yeah so like it's it, it it's but it like, would still be like like at the time especially like i, I was still thinking like it would there was a subconscious reason mm-hmm. whether it was like right. active or not um yeah, yeah. and you and, know that would that would be it uh but there was also too the fact that like she'd heard that knock at her door the previous yes. night too and it's like hey maybe she just needs some home defense you know like uh right. the thing about her falling asleep and looking at guns is further emphasized in that bit of dialogue where she emphasizes that she didn't even know he had a gun mm-hmm. yep and That's so right. some yeah. of that complexity is kind of just unraveling how th- we even got to this point yeah you know and I feel like that's a great bit of character building is because, like, throughout the movie, it's her just kind of trying to figure out why. Yeah. You know, and her sense of grieving is looking to find closure in the situation. And you know what's really great is in her searching and speculating, she kind of hits the nail on the head halfway through the movie. There's a point where she says, um, again, well, we're already in spoilers. Uh, there's a point where she says maybe it was like, you know, like, I was always the one who had darkness in me. Yeah. You know, maybe it was, like, some of that, you know, like, that I, I poisoned him, you know, with my own darkness or whatever, because he was always so happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not too far. Like, No, it turns out to, um, to kind of be the case. And I like that. I, I like that uh, she kind of, she you know, she gets she gets really close to it. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit because uh, it, in, it ends up being especially important later. Uh, the suicide note... And then her her confession to her friend Claire uh, after they get back from the bar. First, she she reads them the note, which says simply, "You were right. There is nothing 
nothing is after you, you're safe now. That's what the note says. And at the bar, she tells her friends, like, I have no idea what it means. It doesn't make any sense. Her friend Claire takes her home later, and on the couch, she drunkenly confesses, I do know what the note means. When I was young, you know, when I was like a teenager, I was in a car accident. I died for four minutes. And, you know, people asked, what did you see? And the answer is nothing. There is nothing after death, just emptiness, blackness. And she said the important thing is that her husband never believed that. He always argued against that the idea that there's nothing on the other side. So for him to, in the suicide note, admit that she's right and that there is nothing, like that is sort of a blow for her because, and also something she feels why she feels more guilty for like infecting him with that, right? Because he was he was so positive and optimistic before and believed in something on the other side of death. Hmm. So that to admit that she's right, you know, seemingly what he's doing, you know, is it, it's it furthers her guilt. We'll talk about it later when we get around to the end of the film, how that note comes around in, like, such a satisfying way and, like, yeah. the context of it changes. But, yeah, it's 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 a very important aspect of, of the story. It most definitely is. Um, and uh, er- earlier I'd mentioned that this film tells you a lot of things before it tells you. Um, another key one is when she, at the very beginning, she wakes up the next morning and she goes down the dock. She sees the boat. Yeah. down there and she hears and foot, a gunshot and footprints and footprints yeah watery footprints and she hears a gunshot and birds fly off mm-hmm. behind her and it's quite startling and then she heads off to the school i will say if there's one thing that i that i kind of didn't like about this movie is that i think it is a little bit heavy-handed on the jump scares you know yeah and uh, they do it a lot through dream sequences in mm-hmm. particular and i i get why they're doing it because We'll we'll talk about some of that in the third act section, but I still think it was a little much on how much they. Did I think it. a couple of the jump scares work well, but yeah, there were there's a, there's a lot of jump scares, particularly in the first half of this movie, and it's just like, all right, chill out a little bit. It's it's not what I would ask for in this film. I I do I do appreciate that it does sort of fit the theme, you know, like each each jump scare is a reference to the fact that her husband shot himself it's the gunshot yeah. right like it's it's a it's a motif like and if you're gonna do a jump scare doing it as a motif is uh you're uh, a pretty pretty good way to help win me over in sure. the the difficult battle that it is to win me over on jump scares because i'm not a fan of them i don't like jump scares it's just um, an instance where it feels, i think it usually feels I think less is more yeah, yeah but here um they felt earned to me and i'll be real too almost all of them scared me and again like whether it's scary or not is not usually a good metric, and uh, but in this case, it, it scared me, and I, and I do mean like terrified me, not as in startled me. Most jump scares startle me, like yeah, that's by the design. Point of a jump scare, uh, yeah. and I hate that, like because it, it, it's it's fake. It, it, I'm not actually afraid or terrified. No, it's not fear. Yeah. You're just startled. Yeah, and um, uh, that's that's obnoxious. Stop it, son! You're doing me a fright. Yeah, like I don't I don't like that. But here, I was always I, I was like actually like shocked and scared by by each one which is pretty cool too because the, for the majority of them they're not like corpses coming out of the dark or you know like a, a corpse hand grabbing your shoulder or something like that it's like just a person running by or something yeah and and it works 
it works quite well uh, to me because uh, they always were occurring like when she's in like the, the dream realm. It sets you up well to see that these jump scares usually happen when she's dreaming and when she's in the dream realm. And as reality collapses, you know less and less when those jump scares are going to happen. Yeah, because, I mean, they're, they're at a certain point, the line between reality and dream becomes pretty much non-existent, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a disintegration I like. I will say, yeah. like, you, you bring up, like, I, I agree, not necessarily in reference to the jump scares, but, like, I, I did find quite a few parts in this movie, like, pretty scary. Frightening, yeah. Like, pretty, like, genuinely spooky, which yeah. is not... Hard to do for us pod boys. Yeah, like, we're pretty desensitized to that shit. And, like, I... I found like sections of this movie like like pretty pretty scary. This film understands anticipation so well and understands how to frame anticipation. Yeah. My right. favorite it's example. All, it's all fucking dread too. Like yes. it's not it's not like a, a scary ghost popping out or you know something like that. It's all it's all just like really heavy oppressive dread. Mm-hmm. I would compare the the pacing and the structure of this movie in a lot of ways to Rosemary's Baby. In that oh, it's yeah. kind of a, sure. an escalation of tension and yeah. dread throughout the film until you get to the point of the third act where it's just a massive release. Um, and I think that works super well here. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Cleve. Like, I think that there are several jump scares in this movie that do work really well. I think of the one where the women are running by and jumping off the cliff mm-hmm. and i found that one super haunting honestly yeah. really um, scary the way yeah. it's structured and shot is really good because you see them running by and then the camera kind of pans around and you see what's actually happening yeah as they kind of fall or jump off the cliff well and the, the jump scare that is effective there is that like we see a couple of them like run and fall off the cliff and then we think it's done and it cuts back to her and then there's another one that runs past like after you think it's over and like that's the like the startling moment mm-hmm. um, and I did think that one was pretty good to put a pin on that too I think that there were a lot of really good ones well, I might not agree with all of them. The ones I disagree with are from a personal preference. It's it's how I might not have wanted to do it myself. Or, I, you know, if I had any agency over the matter, I would prefer it to be done. But I thought they were all quality. I, I find it hard f- to fault any of them. I think them. there are a few too many, but I don't think they were particularly uh, cheap yeah. like most jump scares but are. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that feeling of dread. Because there, there are some shots really worth talking about in particular – the the one where she first encounters like the the invisible figure mm. you know um uh, she believes to be her husband uh down by the boat we get the the footprints at the very end, edge of the dock that are now bloody footprints instead of water uh and it starts you know stepping towards her and there is this amazing shot that is over her shoulder just her looking out into the dark night like out into to darkness out into the void and it hangs on it for a good while and it cuts back to it and it it, it just the the framing of it really has you looking into that nothingness like over her shoulder into it. it it's it's 
wonderfully framed. I, I just well, I got so many like goosebumps, like looking at the darkness and just waiting, you know, to if if what was like, am I going to see something? And the the reward of nothingness is so much scarier. I agree with you because at that point there have already been several jump scares in the movie, and I was kind of conditioned at that point to expect another one there. And I think that would have been where a movie like The Conjuring or something would have done. Oh, a they jump wouldn't scare. have been able to resist. You know, yeah. we would have seen a seen the ghost or something. But it this would have movie been... has more class. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's conditioned you with like several startling moments. One, you know, just moments before in this scene, and then to have like all of the sound drop out and like you say just have that shot over her shoulders like staring out into like the darkness and the fog above the lake where we have previously in an earlier scene she looks out the window of the house and sees like her husband standing on the water out there like where we've seen so so like showing us this this like black misty void you're expecting something to jump out and something to appear and i agree with you the fact that it's nothing that it hangs on that and that the payoff is that nothing appears is much scarier mm-hmm. such a great sense of tension to that yeah. scene. dread you know? yeah like you said well because yeah. it's released too so by she looks down and sees that the footprints are now like right in front of her and she kind of like falls over backward but ends up like in like laying down in the boat like it's it's kind of like a a a cool like interesting shift of of the space that the movie does a few times mm-hmm. where it's like she falls o- she falls over backwards like she's going to land on the dock but then she's in the boat and then and the she's also like the lake. Yeah. fully inside the boat which doesn't actually make sense to the boat's geometry like the boat has like seats on it mm. but she's laying down like fully in it in that shot but like horizontally it it's it's really interesting i i i love that yeah because um, that's how dreams are, right? Like uh, that our sense of space, yeah. things grow in size and shift, and it all feels natural. And in between all these sequences, we uh, sort of flip back and forth between two characters. The neighbor is an elderly gentleman mm. who is sort of keeping an eye out on her um, and is just a, a good man. Uh, and then we have her uh, friend, who is a, also a teacher at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed both of these characters. The teacher friend, she's... Uh, She's a very basic character, but I felt that to be believably basic. Like, she seems just like a very simple person, a very normal person. Uh, and she she makes a wonderful foil to our protagonist, who is going through so many things and ab- so many abnormal things. And the way that she tries to protect her friend leads to an implication that I think we all had, uh, which is that her friend is in love with her. There's some pretty some pretty heavy yeah. uh, homo- and, homoerotic overtones. Uh, yeah, I was going to say undertones, but mm-hmm. I'd say overtones. And I yeah. I think it is very much a, like, Sappho and her friend thing where most people won't notice it and pick up on it. I adore that they never say it because they never yeah. need to. And it's so much better, I think, in this context, this specific instance, for it because it, it would detract from her and her narrative. Right, well, that's the thing. Like, like our, our, it's... Yeah. it's it's there, but it's not so heavy-handed that you couldn't also just reasonably pass it off as, as platonic, as you know, just like very deep platonic friendship. Mm-hmm. And but like, man, the way she says "I love you" and she's leaving is 
yeah. not platonic. To, I, I, yeah. I don't think um, anyway. I, I agree with you. Like, I, I agree. I, I think those overtones are definitely there. And like the way she's kind of like stroking her hair when she's, you know, drunk after the bar, you know, that seems great, too, because like it's we have the close up on on Rebecca Hall's face, like as as her head's like laying in Claire's lap and. You know, she's like, well, maybe you can just stay until I fall asleep. And that's another jump scare moment where what happens there? Does the stereo turn on or the someone starts banging on the door or like the building starts rattling? Because like it's the same shot and there's just all of a sudden like this sort of cacophony of noise and she sits up and Claire is gone. Yeah. You know, they were just in the middle of conversation, too. And it it just the conversation gets to the perfect point. It is so down to the the frame, uh, so masterfully chosen. There's just the right amount of lull in that conversation before just wham, like you're she's she's started awake. And that's that's dreaming. That's falling asleep. You don't remember falling asleep. And uh, I love it when films do that. Uh, A similar example is uh, Sandman is very good at it. Uh, Those. Those books are wonderful at uh, having you just turn a page and then suddenly the scene has changed. It often slowly lulls you into dreaming and then like the it's it's a, it's a it's an abrupt shift back to to wake wakefulness and yeah this this film has such a beautiful has such a good well timed sense of that I yeah I, I really respect it and it doesn't need weird filters and effects to do it either it it's all realism it's all crisp and clean and that's yeah, hard to do this movie's like classically surreal where like it's it is mm. very heavily dependent on like dream logic and like the the weird sort of dreamlike shifting of of spaces and time that is common in surrealism but it does it completely unpretentiously without as you said like any weird filters or effects or you know like neon lighting or anything like that it's it's played it's played very straightforward and and i like it a lot because like it does make sort of like the the labyrinthine nature of like the mystery feel more real and i think that's by design you know like the idea of of mazes and confusing architecture is is what the movie's all about and the structure of the film is kind of the same way but not like uh not in like a, a david lynch kind of way no and of course we would be remiss without bringing up house of leaves and yeah the series of other films that have been coming out in the past couple of years that have also been very house of leaves-esque we have relic the lodge there's a few others as well that uh, aren't coming to mind maybe You'll have some thoughts on that. Uh, shout us, shout out to us on Twitter if you you come across any others. But I, yeah, I think about like uh, relic specifically, like the the secret house within the house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where there's a varied metaphor, and it uh, this I, I think this film comes the closest to House of Leaves, and I adore that about it because I love that book. It has so many fantastic ideas in it, and frankly, I think that it addresses those ideas with a little bit less mess like it's really clean and it it sticks to all of its themes so well you know whereas house of leaves goes all over the goddamn place 
And if they were to adapt it into a film, you know, you could only really do the Navidson record, like we talked about. Like you, you wouldn't want to do like the yeah. entirety of the book. And I would it's, even, it's, and it's, I would it's even so... hesitate. I would even hesitate going that far. Mm-hmm. Like so much of the success of House of Leaves is based upon like the medium, and yeah. like it's it's just one of those movies that I or one of those stories that I don't think adapts to film particularly mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Even though like the core narrative is a written description of like a documentary yeah. <laughs> that it's hidden within like a meta narrative. Um, House of Leaves is a cool book. It is a cool book. I'll do for, for, uh, for a reread. It's a little pretentious, but the ideas I think make it well worth it. And, uh, here in this film, once again, we do and it's a lot spooky. Of the same yeah, it's spooky in the same kind of way that this movie is, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but House of Leaves is largely about using architecture to describe order made unto chaos right like as the house becomes more and more strange our protagonist who is reading over the manuscript also be you know slowly unravels and goes insane Mm. so you know that works well it's architecture is order and as the order breaks down the house begins to make less and less sense as they have to go spelunking into the basement right like and they go on these deep cave diving expeditions down staircases which is super fucking cool but um here the architecture is used as a different metaphor, and I love that about it. Um, and yeah, this this empty house, you know, uh, and and the, that that empty space and what does it mean uh, is super fucking cool and clean. So yeah, I, I really love that about it. And uh, that said, though, I think there's plenty of room for more of these movies. Keep keep them coming. Architectural horror rules, and I love it. Let's keep establishing this this genre. Architectural yeah. horror makes me think of uh, the house that Jack built. Yes. Yeah, yeah. totally. One thing the house I want to talk about that kind of permeates this movie is the idea of doppelgangers. Mm. You know, you have doppelgangers architecturally, but you also have doppelgangers in the literal sense. Yeah. And I think that stuff is used really well in this film. It's so, like, delightfully confounding in the moment but has such satisfying payoff she finds some things in her husband's stuff you know she she goes through like his his architecture book where he has blueprints for the house that he built for them but she also finds the same blueprints but reversed and she finds all this stuff about like mazes and uh and you know non-euclidean uh geometry and stuff like that but she also finds on his phone a picture of a woman that from the angle looks just like her but she's like i don't think that's me like i don't have that blouse and, you know, then she then goes on to his computer and later finds, like, dozens of photographs of all of these women who look pretty close to her. They look a lot like her, but not exactly. You know, like, same type of hair, haircut, eyes, you know, physique, that kind of thing. But it's not her. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, why does he have all of this really weird stuff? And, you know... She she first tells this to her friend who does the whole like okay drop it you really you're you're going too far you need to you need to slow down yeah. on this it's it's probably just you you're just you know having a you know um you're just it's like I know you're looking for answers but like you're never gonna get the real story yeah. he's dead like and, you know it's not you're not helping yourself by going down by going down this rabbit a hole. lesser movie would have had that had that character say that because she's the secret villain. 
or have her and the neighbor be the same character and have her also like be the one who knew about her husband kind of um yeah as the neighbor did and uh i i wonder if like in an earlier version of the script that was the case and like they fixed that because i could very see that being believable right like she w- often is protective of her friend and she would withhold that information to protect her and i love that it's not her because it it would have it would have been too messy it, it's much cleaner that it's the neighbor yeah um i mean yeah her friend is just like looking out for her best interest she's like look you're just gonna give yourself more grief by looking Mm -hmm. into this stuff it's better for you to try to move on you know like why are you opening up these wounds more and you know again that's just that's just her being a good friend just just caring yeah i think that stuff with doppelgangers plays in super well with kind of the underlying theme of the movie the overcoming of death that playing into the grieving process Mm -hmm. and overcoming a death close to you and i think you know kind of the theme of wanting to repeat what was as close as possible even though it's not quite the same yeah not really moving the needle anywhere ultimately you know you're buying yourself time so to speak but you're not actually progressing. Yeah, I mean it's it's repetition. It's like a record skipping. You yeah, know? yeah. It, it's cool w- to go back to the scene where she like finds herself in the boat. You know that ends with her sort of drifting across the lake where she sees like the lights of a house that she knows is not there in the daytime. Um, and she gets there and it is exactly their house but reversed. And she sees in the window a woman who looks almost like her, but not quite. And she sees her husband, like, uh, start to to choke her. Like, the women who are running off the cliff before that, too, are, are like, women who are kind, look kind of like her, but not quite. Uh, So there's... There's this sense that, like, there's a cycle that's being repeated. Like, something is happening over and over again, but... What is the question? Because her husband isn't old enough to, like, have done the same thing to other women that he could have done to her several times, right? It's not feasible for it to be a matter of, like, oh, he was secretly a murderer and he's been, like, marrying women and murdering them in this house for ages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he's not he, – they're the same age and they it, they make it clear, too, for, I think, this reason early on that they were married young. Yeah, and they've been married for, yeah. like, 14 years, so and it, like, in their 30s. Yeah, yeah, and that's by design. That's to, like, rule out that that's the case. Because, again, this is had, a clean that movie. he had, like, a secret life prior to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. It's like she has been with him for pretty much the, the entirety of their adult lives almost. So, like, she has known him so long and so well that these things that she's discovering about him literally don't make any sense because like she's been around all of this time she hasn't seen any signs of this his death was a surprise well then she she goes in in the daytime uh in in her waking life she goes to the other side of the lake and is sort of tromping around through the woods and does find a unfinished house that is they're the same floor plan, but reversed. And when she goes in there, she finds this uh, statue 
of like a woman with her her wrists bound to her ankles and like impaled full of like spikes uh it's very reminiscent of like the like the wound man um but sort of hogtied mm-hmm. uh and also like what a fucking weird thing to find in an unfinished house that is the exact floor plan of the house that your husband built but reversed yeah it's like, like a fetish um yeah. in the traditional sense or uh, like a voodoo doll yeah you know mm-hmm. uh, uh or vodun and well she find she does find that later in one of his books the kydra um, yeah yeah if that's how you pronounce it. Um, um, I, I want to copy that book, honestly. Like, <laughs> it's super cool. I love the uh, the maze architecture, like, print on the front. Um, and uh, the, the, the cult information inside yeah. seemed pretty neat. Yeah, that was lovely. Um, and it's it's neat, too, because it's not, like, a, a one-to-one house. It's it's dilapidated. It's it's Yeah, the, it's, it's the, unfinished. It's kind of run down. Like, yeah. it hasn't... There's no it, real walls. It's just tarps. Yeah. Yeah, uh which makes it like creepier. But but the floor plan is in place. Mm-hmm. Um and it's and it's the same but reversed. Mm-hmm. Um to which well, it's then revealed that uh, by the neighbor that the husband uh he once encountered the husband um taking someone out there who looked like her. Uh, yeah, he thought it was her. He thought it was the two of them together until he called out and she turned around and realized that it was mm-hmm. somebody different. And then later on, he accounts that he came to his house like late at night and just knocking on the window, which is cool because that happens like in her dreams, right? Knocking on the window uh, and, and telling him that's over with, that he, you know, he's, he's gotten rid of that or whatever and, it, you know, it won't happen again. And so he decided just to protect them and just keep them happy and yeah. not say anything. I like that. Uh, it seems believable. And, you know, like he, he clearly had like that, that guilt about him over it it was nice it was nice it seemed seemed to make sense we should talk about the information that she discovers in that book because it's important and it's a it's it's a a key piece to to unraveling the mystery here's a little lesson in trickery (laughs) yes (laughs) i also i also love how subtle this this scene is like it gives you just the right amount of information that you can make the proper inferences that you need to without being a whole scene uh like in the empty man where our protagonist uh goes to the wikipedia page for tulpa uh you know she she finds looking through this book she finds a a representation of like the same statue and the book is full of like drawings of mazes and stuff and we see a couple of passages about how you can build mazes or use reverse architecture of existing architecture to confuse dark spirits that are after you. You can get them lost, basically, by by building, you know, reverse houses and mazes and stuff for them to get trapped in so they can't find you. And that this uh this this statue thing is is sort of like a voodoo doll for like like imprisoning a soul and offering it to like the spirit as like a sacrifice or whatever. To like bind a spirit to it. Again, this is all just like some shots the pages and you can read a little bit it's like you get what you need to it's like she doesn't have to go talk to a professor about it to explain like oh this is the this is the the myth the lore about bagul yeah (laughs) you know you know what it isn't it's not a piece of paper that has fucking tulpa written on it yeah which is going to bring me to my next point that i've been fucking sitting on this whole time this movie is everything that i wanted from the empty man this movie is like like go back to our podcast this is what i I wanted this is what i I left wanting more of a smart protagonist (laughs) 
<laughs> like a smart protagonist. This movie has a fucking tulpa in it. It never needs to tell you that. <laughs> like it, it does everything better. The detectiving is good. It's intriguing. The, the film is well paced and entertaining. It's great. And on top of that, too, very conveniently, um, last night after we finished watching the movie, because I said that when we walked out, I was like, this is it. This is what I wanted out of The Empty Man. Thank you, movie. I then went to a movie night thing with my buddies in a Discord, and we we, we watched The Empty Man. They, they picked it out. So I just watched it again last night. So I watched it right afterwards as well, and boy, did it verify all of those things to me. That movie has a really cool, like, last ten minutes to it with, like, the cool, like, Nyarlathotep-like sequence with the, the Empty Man. But, like, you could have cut 45 minutes of it. It is so boring compared to this film. I'm still overall an Empty Man defender, yeah. uh, but this movie does have... Have a lot of similar themes that I do think are are better realized, uh, less clum- certainly less clumsily than a lot of things in The Empty Man. Uh, I'll we can get into it more as we, as we talk about the end. I'll push back on the Tulpa thing a little bit. I don't think that it's necessarily a Tulpa. I don't think it's necessarily not. But well, that's um, sort of the nature of Tulpas, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, it does this movie also. Uh, which I, I did think was pretty funny, has uh, a literal empty man. Yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, which is some of some of my, especially we see it more as it, as it gets into the, the, the ending of the film. Some of my favorite moments in the film is mm-hmm. that like instances where like the architecture in the house, like when it look, when you look at it from the exact right angle, it creates like the silhouette of a man. And the couple of times that she sees that, then the, the, silhouette like turns to look at her like it keeps doing that mm-hmm. every time and that shit is spooky as fuck yes. and I, space between <laughs> well i love that too because it's it's not it's not like a it's not like a dark spooky like silhouette shadow man or whatever no, like it's, it's so much better it's 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 literally a shape made by just like the looking. absence of things yeah it, it is it is it is a figure that is created by emptiness mm-hmm. when observed from the exact right angle, uh, and and it's it's scary. It's scary, but also beautiful at times. I really love the sort of sequence that leads to the big reveal where uh, first she you know she has that dream where she sees like her husband like murdering different people. You know she realizes like okay yeah my husband was like bringing people out and like maybe strangling them. She encounters the uh, she goes back to the. Um, she goes to the bookstore. Yeah, she goes to the bookstore. She meets one of those people. Uh, I, I I loved all of that. Which just to cap on point, uh, just to touch on real quick, I, I I did love like that she does like the cartoon like she he blew his brains out. She goes well, yeah. like that, like very crass. Uh, I, I liked that. Um, again, it felt it felt believable and yeah, not, uh, not, again, not sensitive at all. No, yeah, um, and and again, like that does such a great job of putting the the viewer who is you know obviously like you know recognizes the reviewer is not as attached to the narrative like it helps put the, them in, in that character's shoes um yeah i love that uh anyway she finds that out she learns that the husband like put her hands on this 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 girl's neck or whatever and then decided not to and then she well, goes back she, she asked him to stop yeah and he did and he did yeah yeah and then 
finally, our protagonist goes to the house one last time to drink there and be like, you know, show up, show yourself or whatever. At this point, she fully believes that that there is a ghost, ghost. that like her mm-hmm. husband is trying to communicate with her as a spirit, as a spirit, yeah. uh, because mm-hmm. everything else we see in the movie seems to point to that direction. She hears his voice a couple of times mm-hmm. in, in the dreams, like telling her, like, go to the window or the boat, go to the boat, you know, go to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she steps through the floorboards and finds some corpses, some corpses, uh, several wrapped in plastic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bound the same way that like the statue is with like ankles yep. to wrists behind the back mm-hmm. uh, and uh, runs back to her home, terrified, drinks a lot, falls asleep again. And uh, no, she she goes and gets in the shower. Oh, yeah, because she's she's all muddy from because it's mm-hmm, raining mm-hmm, when yeah. she finds that and. And uh, we get, yeah, this wonderful scene where she really starts, like, calling out to her husband and missing him. And mm -hmm. I loved that. Some people might, I feel like, be a little distanced from the character in that scene because, like, she, it was just revealed that her husband, like, like, to us, like, murdered those people. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's a hell of a time to be calling out to him, like, and saying, I miss you. And I love that for a couple of reasons. Without context, it's just painful, Right, because like she still had, we know that she still has all these memories of him as a good man. Well, yeah, and, like, that's who she misses. She misses the man yeah. that she thought he was before he died. Mm-hmm. Like that's what she's that's what she's she's calling and out it's, for. Yeah, it's really haunting and and sad and beautiful and uh, yeah, such a moving moving scene. And and I really like her her crying is so real to me. I, I uh, yeah, I was I was very touched by that. And then, <laughs> well, that that. Is, <laughs> This the scene for like a uh, just a couple of minutes almost becomes ghost with Patrick Swayze. Yes, yeah. it does. Yes, it I does. turned to Sarah uh-huh. when we were watching it. I was like, "Are they gonna get the the, the, the pottery, pottery out? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because like after that, like she she looks up and sees like uh-huh. written in the the fogged mirror, like he's somebody's written here. here. She's like, "Oh, you're actually really here. here." And like she she hears water dripping and turns around and like sees wet footprints on the floor. And we get this scene of her like Reaching touching out. him and. I will say the effect is oh, very so cool because like she's she's basically doing like a mime thing where she's like pretending to touch somebody who's not there. But they went they went to the effort of like having the skin on like her hands and her fingers like press like she's actually touching something. I thought that was really good. Yeah, compress, but, not pressurize. <laughs> That's right. You know, then, you know, they she embraces this this invisible man and they like start kissing and it starts getting like sexual all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i was like it's like is this is this movie turning into ghost in the last act which uh is is very funny i just recently watched community for the first time and there's a small bit where uh there's there's an episode where the cast like goes to take a pottery class the community college and um the guy who plays tobias from uh arrested development uh uh has a big sign who's the teacher has a big sign on the wall that says like no ghost scenes (laughs) It's a pottery <laughs> class. And he gets really mad. He's like, whatever you do, I've seen it a million times. I've seen guy on guy ghost. I've seen girl on girl ghost. I've seen every form and iteration of ghost you can think of. So don't you dare do a ghost. If you do a ghost, you're expelled from this class. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good. Um, and well, I was just like, I was just thinking about that. That whole scene is just like, don't you dare do a fucking ghost. And they don't. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, it's a, it's 
an incredible fake out because mm. I start I almost Subversion. I started to get mad a little bit because I was like, oh no. As I was saying, I was uh, waiting for the film to let me down in the it's, third act. It, she's, it's a moment of weakness for her. It's like, oh, I'm we like, know her husband. We, we we believe her husband's a murderer. Like like. Well, I was like, are they about- gonna are they gonna legitimately turn this into like uh like a romantic thing? Like, there's part of me that was half expecting that like somebody else murdered those people and killed her husband and made it look like a suicide and like framed him for it so he was coming back to her as a ghost to like clear his name because that's been fucking done i was like i was like oh no are we doing this but then they do and they do it's the best fake out because like good you know, like at the beginning of that scene where, you know, she they, they start like fondling. She's like, are you here? And like you hear his voice. It's kind of distorted and ghostly. He's like, I'm here. And then, you know, as things start to get hot and heavy, she like says his name. She's like, oh, Owen. And then all of a sudden she's like, no. I'm not Owen. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, oh no. Shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Horrifying. I, yeah, I was yeah. I was really spooked by that scene. Uh, uh, and uh, the the uh, the texturing like uh, on the the voice is is so good. It's so like airy and eerie. Well, it's, it sounds like empty. It sounds mm-hmm. hollow. It sounds like the which is perfect for you know for the the theme. It's like his words sound like they're made by like the absence of sound. You know, uh, it's it, I don't know exactly how they did it. It's a simple sounding effect, but it it, it works. It, it's very cool. But yeah, then all the logic breaks down and we start and that like that's the beginning of like the climax where uh, you get the excellent mirror shot where she's looking in the mirror and sees the other girl from the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with Owen. Yeah. You see Owen come in and things really just break down from there. Well, yeah, the, the the logic of the house starts to break down, too, as she's, like, fleeing from this invisible presence that she continues, like, every room she flees into, she looks and, like, is and sees its silhouette, like, composed of the, the empty spaces in the architecture. All the while, like, in, in opposite rooms, and sometimes in the same room, Owen is killing, like, more women. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, ooh, it's so... that mm, I love that sequence. Uh, uh, what a cool, like, con confrontation and it comes at the right time too because you know it was only like one scene away where she encountered like the corpses mm-hmm. and so it's it's now like her like we we get to sort of like have our like our uh, we sort of get to spiral out with this revelation as we see it all happening in real time yeah. and not as a fucking flashback not as anything like that it's all like cohesive and endemic ooh it's so well done none of it has been owen at all yeah. and it's like that's that's not the first time like a movie has done that where there's been like a ghost that somebody thinks to be is the ghost of their loved one and it turns out to be like a demon a monster, or yeah, something sure. it's very but, done. like it, it's done but at the same time like the movie still got me yeah. like with that revelation like it's so well constructed that i still didn't didn't quite see it coming because because it was well constructed Right? Exactly. Like yes, and and that's the thing. And I wish more writers and directors would 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 learn from this. It is not about how unexpected the twist is that makes the twist work. It is how much the twist makes sense and how effective it is. You should be able to call most good twists. I think I think that is totally cool and okay. If it comes out of totally nowhere, it's not fun. 
to me. I like a good detective story that lets you. Well, that's the problem with a lot of later Shyamalan twists is they come out of they're unpredictable, not because they're so clever, but because they're nonsensical. There's no movie. The movie should, if it's doing its clues right, when the twist is revealed, you should be able to go back and put together all the pieces and be like, aha, all of the pieces were there. I just had to put them together. Which is why like glass is good because glass does that. It's not necessarily having a predictable twist it's having a twist where looking back it feels satisfying in how it drip fed you information that's that's the thing like a good twist can can give two feelings either you're able to see the twist coming so when it's revealed you feel smart for guessing it Mm -hmm. and you feel rewarded for being like aha the movie was leaving me clues and i got it either that or you don't see the twist coming but when it's revealed you go back and look at all of the pieces the movie has fed you and see how you had all of the pieces to get to the twist on your own Mm -hmm. and this movie uh for me was the latter because i did not see the twist coming um but the breadcrumbs were there but they were all but they were there like the the logic all makes sense i will say i i think that uh this scene like where she she speaks to this entity like clothed as owen like in their living room at like christmas or whatever i i do think that it's a little expo- it's a little too expositiony but at the same time like it it does clarify a lot of things that otherwise might not be readily apparent so i don't know if i necessarily have a better way for them to have done it i think it was fine it's fairly short too that that is its saving grace is that they don't use too many words mm-hmm. uh but it and is also it comes up with the perfect it comes out of the perfect like rule of threes once again we have our origin where she talks about how she died once um you know the four minutes she she gives the the narr- the, the story there and then uh the second time it's brought up after the neighbor like confesses like how we saw owen with someone else that scene ends with him saying this is the closest to death you've ever been and she says oh no <laughs> and leaves yeah. like like she says it's like that yeah like, like you're wrong about that one yeah, yeah. that's right yeah because like as we know she's been she was essentially dead for four minutes once yeah and uh so that's our second time and then here is our third in our revelation it's perfect not too much not too little and again too a lot of films um a lot of detective films only give you two they give you one reference to it where the mailman has a weird look and, and and then and then the reveal that it's the mailman, right? And here we get like three little touches, and 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 this final impact where we learn that the nothingness is the monster, like yeah. the the nothingness that she saw is the entity. This demon, this this otherworldly creature, identifies as the nothingness. It is a thought form. Like it is the empty man. Yeah, like it is it is a thought form that exists as the 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 belief of nothingness. Um when you ascribe like that, you're putting a face on it. It's pareidolia becoming real. It, it's so good. Um, I love I love the way it's revealed too, because in that scene, like it says to her, like, I'm what you saw when you died. And she says, No, you're not. I saw nothing. And it says exactly yeah like that's that's such a nothingness like that's such a good way to do it and that's like why it has been represented as like this you know silhouetted in the absence of space like it is 
nothing. And it has, it came back with her from death and has been trying to reclaim her by infecting Owen and trying to get him to kill her, to send her back to it. And that's the reason for everything that he's been doing for the building the backwards house for killing these women that look kind of like her but are not her like he's trying to confuse it he's trying to it's he's trying to trick it away from her and he realized eventually that the only way she was going to be completely safe from him is if he kills himself Mm -hmm. and that's why his suicide note is great you were right there is nothing nothing is after you mm-hmm. so yeah. good now so you're good. safe yeah exactly yeah i i love that i love that i i do think i i do think that it is it is that particularly like it is kind of a movie thing because like sure why be so fucking vague you know, like if if this was real life in your suicide letter, you would you would want to be explicit, right? Well, like so what, would, I, what I wonder too is like we don't know like to what degree it's been puppeting him and like how much lucidity he has, sure. how much he understands, how much he knows. You can wave that away fairly easily. I think. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a movie thing. It makes it makes the twist satisfying. In real life, it's a little bit unbelievable. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean a nothingness <laughs> entity. Yeah, where, where do you draw that line? Like uh, for sure, but no, no, I yeah, I, but I, like I get the, what you're saying. I, uh, I mean, yeah, for for it to be like nothing is after you, like that that makes it sound like oh, don't worry, you're fine. There's nothing after you. Mm. You know, you're okay. You're safe because the next line is you're safe. But instead, it's nothing is after you. Like the con, the idea of nothingness that you saw when you form. died. Yeah, the tulpa. Mm. death like the the void on the other side of life is after you and it's like if you're really trying to like make her understand you would be more clear about that in your yeah. note and, and so uh, like especially it's when it not, comes it's to, not a real complaint though so that's what i mean when i say like like it's also a talpa right because there there are a few like iterations on like what a talpa is uh, and it's more of a western one in that like uh you can almost just interchange it with the personification of you know like as an entity right like well, so it's a, it's a chicken or an or the egg thing like does it exist before or is it given form by your belief in it yeah. You know, like, is the nothingness beyond life a a true, uh, like, a truly existing force that comes for all of us? Or is was it manifested by... Uh, belief. By Beth's belief in it. Um, I don't know. That's why I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a tulpa, but I... I think it can be. Well, yeah, and that's what's cool about it because it all it all plays into the mirrors and the doppelganger thing too. Mm. Like, like she created it. Like, therefore, it kind of exists as her. Yeah, it's it's super cool. But like, that's the thing is like she she believes that by nothing it is nothing. She mm. doesn't believe in it as like a force. If anything, if it is a tulpa, it's a tulpa manifested by Owen. I think. Yeah, because he does believe. That there's, you know, that that was the thing is like he believes that there's not nothing after after life, you know. So if she says that she saw nothing, then maybe Owen is the one who gave nothing form. And that's why it infected him and it was puppeting him to try to get to her, mm. you know, because it's it's a product of his belief. Yeah. Well, it's almost um, like it, it takes both of them like it's almost their child. Kind of like, yeah, yeah. we're just kind of neat. Like, I, I love that. 
um, yeah, it's super cool. It brings, like, Owen's character back around. I won't say it fully redeems him. I think, you know, to quote Spock, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the, the corpses of the few. But um, uh, I don't think it's necessarily meant to redeem him. No, it doesn't. It, I don't, it, just, it just shows how much he loves her, which yeah, is cool. Like that he was that he was willing to do anything <laughs> to keep her safe. But at the same time, like, what he did didn't work. It still found her. It, like, even beyond him. Yeah. Like, it still because came so for her. it's so scary fucking powerful, so, yeah. So, like, was his decision to kill himself like the right thing no not really which is why and she gets <laughs> you know? that she understands that at the end because she doesn't really defeat it no like that's the thing like the movie doesn't end and uh, uh and that that's uh, a, a very cool part um of it it's actually also where that's i have my, my, like my one you, gripe about this movie you can't defeat it yeah and so like all of this leads up to her once again in the boat the nothingness has taken the form of Owen. It is sitting across from her. The moons have split. Like one of them is red. I I do love that. Like when she looks up and sees it, because like the 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 two moons look like eyes, eyes staring and back. And it's reflected in her in like the pupils of her eyes as mm. well. And it's cool because it is alluded cool. to wonderfully. Like during one of the early dream sequences, we start to see a bit. Of yeah, a red when, she, when she encounters the night house the first time, when she sails across the lake and like the sort of like saturated red light starts to take over, like we see the moon kind of like it's like a chromatic apparition. It's like yeah, it's like blurring. It's yeah. like like it's splitting into two, like a like a cellular mitosis. Or yeah, whatever. Ugh. Ugh, so cool. Um, yeah, so it it brings her down uh, to the boat. She's in the boat. She now has the gun. Um, and we see the the mirror worlds. We see her in this realm with Owen, the the Owen and en- the entity embodying Owen, um, uh, all red and and naked, uh, <laughs> as it you know instructs her like you know like you know come to me like blow your brains out. And meanwhile, we cut back. We uh, you know uh, snap back to reality. Mom spaghetti, and we have uh, our uh, our friend, our teacher friend, Claire. Um, yeah. Claire, thank you. Uh, much better to say Claire than teacher friend, like a, like a child. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Claire uh, getting the voicemail that she'd left. We didn't mention that, but mm-hmm. whatever. Getting the voicemail and running, uh, running back. Her rounding the corner, seeing her running down the stairs, swimming out to her as she is out on the boat alone in reality, yeah. uh, holding the gun. And uh, it's it's really it, it's well shot too because like it's all from Claire's perspective. And when Claire like comes over the cliffside and and looks down, we see oh, it's gonna camera her protagonist's name. We see Beth. her Beth. We see Beth from the back, like kind of slunch slouched over. Mm-hmm. I guess slunched isn't a word, but it does describe it. Like kind of slouched over. And, and hunched. And it's, she it, slunched. It's almost corpse like. She's mm-hmm. she's damp. Yeah. It it it. Uh, and you're you're left wondering. I, I like that. They could have shown it more directly. They could have had it at a different angle where she's holding the gun or whatever, and that would have been so fucking cheesy and fake. It's such a nice choice to have it still be a little ambiguous as to what's going on, even though we know. What I like about it too is that like. Like, even though Claire jumps in the water and, like, swims out to the boat to, like, get her, it's not, like, Claire doesn't save Beth. Like, Beth does make... Beth saves Beth. Beth does make the decision to not shoot herself. Like, she, in, in that... In that regard, like, she does, at least for another day, defeat the nothingness beyond life, you I wanna, know? I want to be real, though. I, w- I want to be absolutely real. This is this is my one gripe, right? So okay. so now we've described it, you know, like mm-hmm. she she decides not to shoot herself, and Beth like takes her back hokey. out of the water. It's a little hokey. It's it's hokey, but actually, I wanted something hokier to happen. Oh really? Yeah. 
Here's the thing. She's Did on the boat. Did you want them to kiss? No. No, 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 absolutely not. She's on the boat with de- with with the uh with the emptiness, right? Like that is now inhabited the form of her husband. This is our first time seeing this this being whole as an object, right? And he's given her the gun to shoot herself. I she wanted her to him. say yippee kaye motherfucker and shoot him. And shoot yeah. him. That's what I wanted to have. <laughs> Man, I'm glad that See, didn't. I'm glad that didn't. Yeah, it would have been corny. It wouldn't have worked, but I really wanted it. <laughs> like, See, like her to just like, because like she's been a bad, like she's been like kind of badass this whole movie, and just the idea to be like, no, you know what? You're nothing. I'm shoot. I death. have power. It's 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 the the end of like the labyrinth, right? With David Boyd, it's like, no, I have power over you, motherfucker, and like shoots him. Like, man, it's like, no, I created you. Shut the fuck up. You're nothing. It, Boom, and like like shoot him with the gun, and it just to be like end there. I would have loved that. To like, triumph. It would have yeah, been it cathartic been. in its own way, but I don't think it would fit the theme of the film. It would have been hollow. You know? yeah, and yeah. I, think, I think the idea of the nothingness, you know, to go back to the tulpa thing, I don't know if it's necessarily a tulpa. I think it's more of kind of an expression of the idea of death, right? Which and, she's struggling with and, the entire movie. Yeah, and the yeah. whole theme of the movie is trying to escape the reality of death by it's the five stages of grief repeating what you knew and i think the reason the ending is so strong to me is because she's given the option to just end it all and escape by kind of embracing death in a way and she doesn't and instead she goes and you know kind of embraces love you know, Mm -hmm. in her very close friend, you know? And in that respect, you know, it's embracing something new and something different and not just getting stuck in a rut of what was. But also, it's it's acceptance, right? Like, the whole movie is her trying to come to terms with her husband's death, and it ends with her accepting death. Yeah. It's just like the, the end of the grieving process, the final stage is acceptance. And what I, what I like so much about, like, the very end of the movie is, like, when, you know, Claire swims with her back to the dock and, like, the neighbor pulls, pulls her out of the water, she looks back to the boat, and there's, like, just the faintest impression of, like, a figure sitting oh, in the boat. I love it's it. Done, you know what it is? It's, it's not even... It's the lighting on the waves behind the boat yeah like like the in the the small like troughs of the water the way the light is catching it forms a figure and it's Mm. so subtle it's so nicely Mm -hmm. subtle and the neighbor says what are you looking at there's nothing there Mm -hmm. And, and she says i know i know and then it, and then it cuts to credit. So it's like, which is a much better way to give her power over it. Yeah, right? like because she like, recognizes it for what is. It's nothing. It, it's not. It can't actually hurt me. And that's well, the thing. but well, also that, it can hurt her, and she knows that it's an inevitability eventually. That's, that's but it. But she's come yeah. to accept it. It's, it's not. It's, it, yeah. it's not. It's not that she doesn't. It doesn't have power over her. It's that she accepts that it's inevitable. But she's chosen life anyway. But despite that. She knows that, and in the end, it's still there. Yeah. It's all like there. There is no route she can take that does not end there. Yeah. But she's acknowledging it. She's. He said, "There's nothing there. I know. I know. Which, there's nothing there." Which is great because it allows for the film to also like all these these events to have 
possibly existed as a psychotic break, but we don't know. Sure, but more likely, as human, yeah, as which I like it very. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Like it very well could have all been an artifact of her of her grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, and which will now bring you back around to the original concept of Eastern tulpas, right? Which is, like, as I said on the Empty Man podcast, the thing that the Empty Man fucking misses, uh, which is that, like, traditionally, the idea was the student was instructed to create a tulpa, give it life, create this entity, and to uh, believe it into existence. And then the student was instructed to destroy the entity. And if they couldn't, they were sent down the mountain in shame, right? Or in blissful ignorance or whatever. And here, like, she essentially does that. She has created this entity, like, this entity came came across from death with her, like, she's acknowledged, she's believed that it, ex- it, it exists, and she has not banished it fully, but she is, she is able to, like, have agency over it by understanding it and accepting it, right? I think it's, it's, it's quite well done. Why don't you rate it? Five. There were things, like, I, I might have preferred, but, like, there's, there's nothing in this film that I would... I would say isn't quality that isn't, you know, like up, up to my like standards and expectations. I adored this movie. Like, I don't know. I might, you know, like down the road, I might say, oh, maybe I should have given it a 4.5 or a four, but I'm coming hot off of it. I feel really good about it. And again, for me personally, this is once again, everything I wanted out of the empty man. And I was so disappointed by the empty man because this is my favorite, one of my favorite concepts. And I didn't think I was going to see it done well after that movie. And I got it. I did get to have it after all. And it it feels so fucking good. And I just it it is so nice. And just yeah, fucking five out of five on this movie for me. Like, yeah, go see it. It's fucking great. And uh, uh watch definitely watch it instead of the empty man. Or or both. You can have both. I mean, I yeah. There's just so much downtime in that fucking movie. Just watch the last ten minutes of The Empty Man. It's really the first twenty minutes and the last ten minutes are are great, and then just skip the rest. Jesus Christ. I disagree, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think this is much like The Empty Man, a great example of a good movie that's really elevated to great by the third act and everything coming together really nicely. I think The Empty Man is similar in that because, you know, much like that, it comes together really well in the third act and becomes much better than it was. Just has a lot of yeah. filler. Yeah. So much filler. And I think this movie <laughs> does a really good job kind of exploring grief and loss really well. And then with the third act, it comes together and has such a clarity of what it's trying to say with that stuff. Um, that I was really impressed. I think Rebecca Hall gives a really great performance, and the writing is really sharp. It does have a few jump scares that I felt were a little cheap, even though they did make sense in the world. Yeah, overall, I'm going to give it a strong four out of five. I think it's definitely worth checking out. I'm going to split the difference between you guys. Uh, I I thought this movie was really great. I, I think that uh, it's it's a really good example of like cosmic horror simplified, cosmic horror distilled without being pretentious. Uh, good sharp writing, as you mentioned, uh, clear strong thesis. It knows what it's trying to say and it does it 
economically. Uh, really great performance by Rebecca Hall. Honestly, one of my favorite like lead performances of the year, I think, yeah. uh, out of the mm-hmm. movies we've seen. Uh, I, I think Rebecca Hall's performance in this movie is 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 right up there. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five. Uh, this this one was a, a really a really excellent uh, surprise because I went into it with no expectations, having seen the trailer once. Just like I, I was, I walked in and was like, "This movie can take me on a journey and do whatever it wants. It can have its way with me," and it did. And I left satisfied. <laughs> um, next week, uh, due to some some scheduling stuff, uh, we're not doing a new f- a, a new movie. Uh, we're doing Ben's pick, but yeah. but oh boy, does Ben have a pick for us? <laughs> yes, yeah, so... you haven't changed your mind. I'm assuming since we talked about it. No, so. Uh... Originally, we were going to do the new Neil Blomkamp movie, Demonic, but it did not release in theaters near us. Whatever. You know, end of the year is always there if we really want to watch it. Mm. You know, we've done a lot of very serious, interesting movies, and I felt like it was time to do something a little weirder. So I want to do uh, Harmony Corinne's take on the found footage genre. Trash humpers. Yeah, I I'm I'm pretty excited. I I did. I'll admit I had to be talked into this one a little bit, uh, just because I I don't think that it is a horror film in the traditional sense. The reason why I I do think that it's a good fit for the podcast, though, other than just that it's a fucking awesome movie that I'm excited to watch again, is that though it's not a traditional horror, I think it is for the average viewer easily as unsettling as I think, I think this is a great conversation topic for the podcast because yeah. I very much think it's a horror movie. It's, it's been and, super high on my list and, for ages. I love the Harmony Crim movies I've seen, so it'll be nice. I, I've been baby on it, I, and it, it sounds like a pod movie. It's right? also, yeah, it's like our, our one opportunity to talk about Harmony Corinne on the podcast because like none of his other movies are, are horror at all uh, or as, as unsettling in the same way as Trash Humper. So uh, I I also think that this will probably be our least accessible film that we've ever talked about on the podcast. Yeah, Uh, for now. For for now. uh, I've thought about uh, in the future at some point picking Begotten. uh, We'll see. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I think this is going to... It's going to be a weird one, so for our listeners out there, strap yourselves in. Three little devils jumped over the log. (laughs) Yeah, uh, get ready for a lot of that. Um, I don't know what that means, but I'm excited to find out. You're about to find out. Uh, All right, uh, so yeah, next week will be Trash Humpers. Uh, Cleve, if you want to grab the the canister, see who our sponsor is. Off of the sponsor shelf. Of course I will. Let me see this week who who have, who is going to form out of the void uh, uh, to become the thought form of our sponsor. Manifest that money into our account. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I have I have been handed a scrap of paper by the sponsor shelf, and uh, the single word Tulpa is not written on it. Thank God, because um, uh, that's lazy writing. This episode is brought to you. By the satisfying feeling of a job well done. Well done. Well done. I think we've all done a good job today. We recorded a podcast, you know? You listen to a podcast. It feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know what? 
Even though it's a nice thing to do in your off time, it's still productive. I think we all maybe learned something today, hopefully. Um, I don't think we're really here for edutainment, but, you know, sometimes there's good morality and lessons in horror. And Gentlemen, it's nice to learn those things. well done. We did it. We did it. Good job, everybody. Cleveland, well done. Ben, well done. Likewise, good friend. Job. Listeners, <laughs> well done for listening to this podcast. This episode brought to you by the satisfying feeling of a job Oh, and now Cleveland is eating oh. the sponsor. <laughs> no, you have to finish it because that's the satisfying feeling of a job well done. Is it satisfying? It doesn't taste very good. It doesn't, but you've started now, so you have to finish the job. I don't know if it's a good bit anymore. I kind of changed my mind halfway through. Swallow it. No! <laughs> Swallow it. I don't want to. Well, you're not going to spit it out. It's paper. Yeah, just, just get it over. No. <laughs> Why did I do this? I don't know. know. (laughs) Well, that's a podcast. That's a pod people first is Cleveland eating the sponsor after (laughs) after reading. Fantastic. What a good way to end the show. Uh, If you also enjoyed the the sound of Cleveland eating the paper, I wish you could see the look on his face right now. (laughs) Uh, Then be sure to to support the show by heading over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating and a nice review. Uh, If you want to support the boys, you can also do so at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. We got... Three different subscriber tiers that you can subscribe to, the highest of which is Honorary Podboy. Thanks to our our current Honorary Podboys, Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. Um, Honorary Podboy gives you the ability to suggest films for us to review. We got a big spreadsheet of all of those, and uh, we pick one at random, and and we talk about it. So that could be you at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. But fear not, none of our content is paywalled. You'll always get every episode for free. So uh, if if you don't want to become a patron, that's okay too. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show, as well as our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting... Occasionally? I, I am occasionally tweeting. For Light Arc Studios, we further progress on It Stares Back. Recently, we just released... Um, we put out uh, the first few uh, levels of our new chapter, The Drowned Queen, on our uh, exclusive to members of our Discord community. So hop on by if you want to try out some uh, some new... Uh, chapters in our game. Um, uh, But most importantly, I believe as of this episode's airing, Spookware will be out, uh, which is the game I've been working on recently, uh, doing QA for. I think think they Mm -hmm. released on the Um, same day. Highly recommended. Uh, It is essentially like WarioWare, but with a really fun narrative surrounding these cute little skeleton bros. And uh, on their their travels and adventures through post-Corpia, the land of the dead. And uh, it's a bunch of fun, cute little micro games and mini games. Lots of fun, cute little puns and other things. It's adorable. The soundtrack is fan-fucking-tastic. I cannot recommend it enough. Please go check out Spookware. It rules. And uh, that'll be it from me. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. As always, we very much appreciate uh, you, the listener. Tune back next week to hear our review of Harmony Corinne's Trash Humpers. And until then, rest assured, there is nothing after this podcast. 
I'm not swallowing this paper.